0: Hello everyone, welcome to Crossing Thresholds with the Liminal Space. I'm Harry, and today we're doing things a little differently. Today we are joined in conversation with Besna Theatre. Besna, meaning darkness or abyss in Romanian, is a British-Romanian theatre company founded by artistic directors Cinziana Kozakarescu and Nico Vacari, who, along with company producer Claire Gilbert, have been bringing insightful, immediate and confrontational political theatre to British and Romanian audiences since it was founded in 2013. There's a lot to talk about, and many exciting ideas to unpack. Because of this, we'll be putting this conversation out in two parts. This gives us the opportunity to get to know the company in depth, explore their process and dig down deeper into what makes Besna In their own words, they were brought together by the need to make political theatre that investigates societal inequalities and confronts institutional and normalised violences. If I may elaborate, theirs is a theatre in which these themes are investigated in an embodied way, whether tackling the climate crisis, rape culture, or the British state's anti-immigration policies. The empathy of the company, as well as their actors, readily synthesise ideas, activism and theatricality to create an event that is in turn witnessed by the audience. Now, working within two cultural frameworks of Romania and the UK is difficult, and their most recent production of Illegalized toured the UK in 2019 while their productions of boys and girls, Vinovata and 112 continue to play in the repertory system in Romania, most recently they have launched an online theater platform, Glod: Political Theater as a Civil Right, which in its first season has given platforms for companies from Lebanon, Palestine, Mexico and Afghanistan to present work as part of an ongoing conversation that is wide-reaching, inclusive, and urgent. It is my great pleasure to welcome Cinziana, Nico, and Claire to this conversation. Thank you all for joining me.
1: Thank you for having us.
2: Thank
0: you. No, it's so great to have you. Um,
2: Interesting yeah <laughs> very kind words
0: thank you oh you're very welcome um I'm, I'm I've been really excited all week to leading up to this because there's so many there's so many I mean we'll come to it shortly but there's been so many questions and queries that that have been floating around in in my mind um before we jump forward I like to kick these things off by um giving you all an opportunity to Um, describe yourself Um, I've kind of introduced you and perhaps named you for you as directors and producers but how do you identify um, artistically at the moment Um, I'm going to kick that off with Claire how about yourself
1: yeah I would say um, I'm an international theatre producer with a focus on arts for social change so I joined the company in was it 2017 in the December when we met uh, and then started work in 2018 um, and before that point had been lucky enough uh, to work in international touring theatre for complicité uh, for three years uh, and was kind of ready to make that shift into the kind of freelance world where theatre enacts change in a different kind of way And uh, through one of those ridiculous theatre situations, I had worked with an actor who knew Nico and Cinziana and had seen me, of all things, put up a Facebook post saying I'm going freelance. And was like, hey, you've got to meet my friends. And I was like, yeah, sure, Angel. Of course I'll meet your friends when they're in London. Um, And from that, uh, the last kind of almost three years has happened. Um, Yeah, I would definitely say that it's a collaborative working. And that actually Nico and Sinziana are as much producers as I am uh, and, you know, pitch in with fundraising, with logistics, uh, with any kind of kind of managerial aspect. It's quite a nice horizontal system. We make decisions as a three uh, and it's Mm. a really nice collective that I've kind of been brought into at this kind of the stage in which the decision was to make more work in the UK. I feel quite valued in that sense. So Yeah.
0: Thank God for Ankel Lopez Silva. Yeah,
2: um, <laughs> yeah. so much love.
0: Um,
2: <laughs> if I
0: if, if I would turn that um t- turn that question over to you, Nico. How 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 about yourself? How would you describe yourself? Um, it's a difficult one.
3: I mean, I don't really. I try not to think about it too much, but um. I guess for me, theater, artistically speaking, theatre has always been a, a means of um, understanding, a tool of understanding what's happening around me, what maybe is, is happening internally and externally of me. Um, I was introduced to theatre when I was very young. Well, not very young, like high school. So when I was 12, 13, I joined the theatre club and it actually helped me deal with a lot of the shit that was going on there um, and some you know, mental health issues. And so that theater has always been a very vital part of my uh, existence in the world, I guess, and like dealing with it. It was always, it always felt very integral, like another organ. Um, So I guess I take that with me. Um, And as I've got older and I've, um, I've understood, you know, my, I've opened my eyes more and more to what's the fuck's going on around us, Mm -hmm. theater has become more of a tool of resistance and as a tool to, confront injustice social injustices and various violences that we see around us Um, and I genuinely believe that that is that is what theatre um, is there to do I I don't think it's just you know I I do definitely I'm I'm convinced that theatre has a very important role to play in the changing the world in the way that we want to see it change um, and so, I guess that's artistically speaking. That's how I see myself with theatre. Um, and I guess I grew up in a kind of second and third generation Italian British family in some godforsaken corners of, of Lincolnshire. Um, and that I think always feeds into my um, my identity of how I work, um, especially. With me. Not recently but like the last couple of years becoming more and more and more aware of our on both sides of my family the italian and the, the english colonial history as a nation not 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 like my own personal experience but um yeah and there's a responsibility there definitely to to talk about these these, these hidden narratives so that also feeds into
0: artistic work as well definitely mm. Mm. Cinziana, if we were going to jump off, kind of using that as a as a as another jump off point, when did your creativity first start to manifest?
2: Um, I grew up um, in post-communist Romania, so in the '90s, um, it was a period of, of very dramatic, violent changes in the country, um, and I think my parents were so busy dealing with that that you know I, I don't think they'll I mean they might mind me saying this but I think they kind of forgot about me <laughs> in, in some ways um so I had an older sister and she was you know she's like 10 years older than me so she was doing other things um and I think I was quite I was alone for a long time as a child so I started to lose myself into imaginary worlds and and I think my need for art came from that and and you know um similarly to Nico I'm dealt with a lot of mental health issues growing up and I think art has always been like a crutch for me um something that would ground me something that would give me an opportunity to reflect or or to escape um and I think that's and I think that's how it became such a crucial part of my life and then when I eventually had to choose a career I decided to go into directing um even though I'd always I'd always seen myself secretly as a writer I think um mm-hmm. <laughs> but I went and, and as, you, as you grow up, I think my generation, or at least I wasn't as politically aware growing up as some of the kids that we meet today. Um, and I think it took me a while. And, and I think together with Nika, we formulated this, um, this idea of political of our political theater and, and how we can use theater to make change and to give people opportunities to question beliefs um, or contextualize um, certain issues in society. Um, And together with Nico, I I discovered that maybe this is, this is my calling, you know.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course. I mean, the pair of you um, met while training. Um, I guess the first question that I have is when, when you meet in that sort of environment, when you're, um, you're formulating your aesthetic or you're formulating your uh, practice, should I say, um how much at the the beginning of your creative um kind of path together were you uh having conversations about what what besner means and 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 how besner works and uh, i wonder if you could shed some light in those uh, those kind of early conversations that were have uh, happening between you um
3: i'm i mean uh thinking about like when some of our first conversations together were always, always linked and still are, to be quite honest now. First off, there was our frustration with how theatre was being made in Britain, being made, and also what it was being made to tell uh, and the content of those shows. And we felt that, you know, it was very... Um, we felt excluded from a lot of the work being made in Britain. Um, mm-hmm. And we felt that it... The, 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 a lot of the theatre we were watching in Britain re- reflected a society that we were not living in. Um, and it was reflecting the stories that didn't, you know, it, didn't, it wasn't talking about the the violences that were, were, were weaved into the fabric of, of British society. And so we felt very frustrated. There was also alongside the political content, there was also the form in which it was being made. And I remember at drama school, a lot of our conversations, though in retrospect, actually, I hated training at the time in many ways, but actually retrospect, it was fucking great in many <laughs> ways as well. Um, sorry, but like a lot of our conversations were like, none of our teachers know who Brecht is, or like we know who Brecht is, they know, who Brecht is. They know who Brecht is, but like they-
2: They, they can't talk to us about Brecht and they can't exactly. teach us what we want to know and they can't help us to understand how we can use his techniques ourselves.
3: Yeah, so we actually started to share our knowledge together, research together, because obviously, I mean, our school wasn't a Brecht team school. There were elements of it some in some places, and some of the teachers had incredible experience working on original Brecht productions mm-hmm. in the UK, um, but like also with Mayer as well. So there was a number of practitioners that we were very thirsty mm-hmm. to, yeah. to, to know about, uh, and that, and we found this common, um, common link there, and interest and passion, I guess.
2: Yeah, it was an amazing time actually to share and you know we each had our influences that we came with um and we each had our interests and we put them together literally i think you know um you truly made me appreciate sarah king because before i was like oh it's too emotional it's too, uh. mm-hmm. you know it made me feel uncomfortable because I, I had this like ice cold exterior and i was more like oh i like kind of miller you know i like kind of really intellectual german uh, <laughs> you know yeah so we kind of brought these two things together. And I think, I think to, you know, something happened when, when we brought our influences together and, and started questioning them and, and understanding what they both were trying to do. And I think that's how Besna was was born. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: that, that, that synthesis of those beautiful ideologies. And um, I, I will definitely be talking to that. Um, I, I definitely want to unpick that because... Um, I think that you guys marry in a way, which I've, I've, I've yet to see this theatrical, you know, the theatricality of the, of the um, stories that you tell um, and the, 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 those sort of stylistic frameworks. Um, But also, I guess, you know, when we talk about Brecht and often Brecht's disassociation um, kind of techniques, I often feel that um, when I watch a Besna show, that I'm reminded that I'm in a play, but actually I'm pushed further down into the viscera, instead of kind of stepping outside of it. Um, but before we before we kind of get to the work, I wanted um, just from where we were then to to bring in Claire. And um, ask you, Claire, do you remember the first time that you um, met Cinziana and Nico? And, and, and speaking as a, a friend of Cinziana and Nico, I, I often am interested to see what people's first kind of discourse is with them, because they, they usually get people quite fired up. <laughs> do you remember, yeah. um, do you remember the first time you sat around with them with a glass of wine and, and spoke about certain ideas?
1: Well, we had coffee and I was actually late because I'd been door knocking for the Labour Party at the point, uh, which I think immediately enamoured us. Uh, I'd been kind of doing casework for our local council. At that point, I lived in West London. Um, And yeah, and I remember turning up uh, and not entirely knowing whether it was an interview or a chat or like who these people were or like what they even did. Because classic, like, and Hal had been like, yeah, yeah, they work for this really cool company. And I, you know, Google exists. So I'd search them and I was like, OK. Um I was like, I'm not sure how I can help, but sure. And I remember one of the things being like, uh, I don't have a little black book of rich people, uh, but I have a lot of enthusiasm and passion. Um, and it kind of going from there. And I think I told you that you needed to go away and discuss whether you wanted it to be me or someone else. And you were like, no, it's OK. We're, we're set. This will be let's continue from here um, which was quite quite amazing but I think kind of reflecting on also what they've just talked about about their experience at drama school is that mm. I don't have any formal theatrical training um I have a history degree and kind of did it through the like am drama university and then mm. found my path that way but one of the joys of working in a kind of collaboration as we do is that you're kind of entirely brought into it and that you don't need to have the intellectual understanding in the same way to be mm. able to not only work on but really learn something and receive from the work uh, and I think that's kind of also some of the magic of Fesner is that if you have that theatrical understanding you enjoy it on one level but there's nothing less if you don't have it uh, and so it's like, it's also a learning experience. I think all of us continually learn from each other, which is also another kind of cool thing. But yeah, that's my yeah. reflection on our first meeting. If you remember I, otherwise, yeah. <laughs> were we in a Nero of like um, Russell Square or something? No, yeah, that was a, a good old Nero. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember really the weird
2: place. Oh, yeah, it wasn't open, so we had to go somewhere no, else. we went to a prep. I <laughs> yeah, I thought she, she was so amazing, and I think, yeah, when you said that thing about the black book because we I, I mean our our impression of producers was exactly what you described that you're not, and so we were like, yeah you, <laughs> yes, we want you, you're great, and I also remember that you you said something that actually like brought tears to my eyes when you um when you described how you helped um uh, find foster homes for fifty Syrian refugee children, and I was like. This is this is the type of person that we need to work with, someone who doesn't just want to make a product, because that's why we ran away from England, because we felt Mm. that the product it was a consumer good. A commodity, exactly. And we didn't want anything to do with that. We wanted to make work that meant something that wasn't there to be sold, but to be experienced and to be to learn from and to cause reflection. And we felt that Claire was. The right person to help us make that work in the UK, as
3: he always said in drama "for trust your gut," and it was just a gut feeling.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, I, think... I do that a lot. Just to clarify, I'm not like a foster. It's a. It was a campaign that we were running as part of our council, in that we were the first uh, place to commit to take refugee children from Calais, and so we'd sent over uh, caseworkers to underage kind of uh, individuals who are seeking asylum in the UK and had supported them from both a kind of legal and safeguarding point to actually then get them kind of fostered and adopted or to have them put in kind of secure housing in the UK. We were like the first, certainly London Council, to do that. Um we had a commitment. So yeah, I'm not I'm not a foster carer, just before that sounds like <laughs> I've taken fifty two.
0: disclaimer. Disclaimer, you were a good person, but um you
1: know not that good, yeah. <laughs> I try.
0: um just to jump off from that point that you were just saying um when i watch your plays um and i was really um i i spent the last week kind of going back over some of your work and i was very fortunate to to watch your um early work watching both uh death watch and crime and then having watched um, over the last week, Revisited, Illegalized and watching uh, Vinovada, which are both um, available online. And I would uh, encourage the listeners to seek that out. I will put all the links to those shows in the show notes. But my reflection is that there isn't necessarily a physical antagonist in, in the characters in your play and that the enemy, if we could call it an enemy, is is it's more structural, it's it's more of an overarching idea. And so that when we're watching these stories about people, which is at the heart of it, the, you know, these people who we might put these uh, value judgments. So I'm I'm reminded of in, Ill- in Illegalize, the final scene in Illegalize, when we look at um, a group of people that are working within the framework of deportation and they're having a Christmas party. And you never feel that they're evil. there's something there's something sitting over the top of them that is oppressing them as well and I wonder how much you guys are speaking to this culture of individualism that is rampant in today's world I, I wonder if if that's something that's in your mind when you're making work and and if so why
3: um, I mean, I'm really glad that you picked that up on that, because that's, that's, that's a, one of the aspects at the heart of our practice and work, which is never, I and mean, I think this actually comes from our, at least our interpretation of Brecht, which is, and I think is highly relevant today, and it always will be, which is never, you should, there's, people are never going to learn f- f- the right thing um, if we make work that scapegoats individuals because that doesn't solve the overriding. It might solve some symptoms, et cetera, and find Mm. quick solutions, but actually it's the systems. The systems, so Brecht was all about um, analyzing the decisions that characters make and the decisions that the characters make or forced to make are influenced by the system that they live in. And that actually, that's what makes us a witness, the audience a witness in the work. And so, actually, for us, we are looking at the capitalist imperial, imperialistic system. That's at the heart of our work. Um, generates all of the violence. And actually, we, when we look at how theater, well, we believe that theater is the the best way to analyze, uh, and deconstruct, and experience certain some violences because, in order to combat. And to campaign and to resist these mm. various, you need to be able to understand how they work, and that can be a very dangerous process. That can be a very terrifying and traumatizing process. So, we use theatre as a safe, open space where we can collectively, the team, the you know the the, the crew, the cast, the ensemble, and the audience together to analyze um, the various violences. And so, yeah. I think the first step in that is is making sure that actors performing, the directors, everyone working on the show and the audience that are experiencing the show see that actually these violences are able to continue through the decisions that we make. And now that, again, isn't putting the blame on the individual, but even more than that is looking at how the system influences, to an extent, Mm. all of our decisions. Mm. And... Um, and we try, I really hope that we never give the impression of bad and evil, uh, good and evil, sorry, because I don't really believe in those two things. I think it's all about decisions that we make uh, and how yeah. those the world. And actually, there's something very positive there, because as if you make the audience a witness, they can see characters struggle to make decisions, mm. and then they see, oh, shit, he should have done, or she should have done that, or they should have done that not this decision, because look where that's led. What mm. if case worker didn't laugh at that racist joke? What mm. would have happened, you know? And if we can get people to start to critically think, you know, um, that's, 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 that's what more could we ask for? At least that, at least that, if, if theatre had at least that main role to, to encourage critical thinking. Mm. Um, I think I think there's
0: a lot more hope out there. I'm, I'm reminded, Nico, on that point, of a scene in Vinovat Uh where um actor Uana Pushakatu, um she, who's amazing by the way, oh my god, bloody hell. This this scene where she's um in she's kind of playing out the perfect life scenario, you know, and she's going through all of that um you know, and I, and I got this and and she names the price of it and she goes through the second thing and she names the price of it. And I wonder if you could just talk, um, to kind of talk more to, to that scene. And, um, you know, how do you make these sorts of realities palatable for an audience? And, and indeed, do, do you, is that something that's in your mind? Do you want them, do you want it to be palatable? I think definitely palatable to
3: an extent. Absolutely, it's inaccessible. There has to be a form of relation because actually, our work is not about sympathy, about empathy. And in order for empathy, because empathy, you, that's what we need to do. We need to break the apathy that is a key structure of divide and conquer in society. And so, you know, we need to re encourage, rekindle to, 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 um, to spark empathy. And so, yes, everything needs to be palatable to an extent, and then, but in order to relate. Um yeah. we were writing that scene actually in Vinovata. Um a key I, I a, you know one of the key influences was was criticizing ourselves. We don't have a TV as a disclaimer, but it's that idea of like, you know, I think and feel and I present myself as in one way, but actually my practices are very different. Um do yeah. you want know, take something on like that as well.
2: Yeah, um because, right, we, I think one aspect of making it palatable, I think, I think this is something we, we can say, is that when, when we write certain scenes, I mean, I think I think generally we're very serious people. So I think we sometimes write, you're laughing
0: because you're... Like, well, I'm, like, I'm like, you know, we have, we yes, in a beautiful way. You're, you're, you're uh, there's an intensity to the pair of you that I adore, you know um I, I you know just just uh plug it into my veins and just pour it in but you know I, that should be celebrated
2: <laughs> thank you so we're quite serious people we don't set out to write you know comedy or or in, entertainment and i think sometimes we put so much in a scene and we're so serious about writing it but then when it's read out by an actor or someone responds to it they actually see the comedy in it and i mm-hmm. think <laughs> and I think that scene, we, we were so serious about, you know, like you said, individualism and consumerism and um, this character being so obsessed with having the perfect holiday, the perfect rug, the perfect living room, the perfect light. And for us, it was serious. But actually, if we did det- once we managed to detach ourselves from the reality of the, that character, we could also see the humor in the thing that we would created. <laughs> yeah. Also, I, I think was it's a real to testament up. to
1: um yeah, yeah especially Tawana as well, who has a wicked sense of humour in both Romanian and English. Uh, And she can also find those moments incredibly well. And she knows, and I think one of the wonderful things about Besner is that we kind of bring this kind of collaborator. Like, you know, we started working together because of Brexit, basically, and because of the Mm -hmm. rise of of hate crime in the UK. And that's why Besner were going to come back and make some work is the really, like, binary answer to it. Um, actually we unearthed a whole load of other issues that we now make a cycle of plays about kind of British colonialism and its influence now on contemporary policies and the society that we live in and challenging mm. that. Um, but it comes from that point. Uh, and I also think that important in understanding like the seriousness sometimes of the company is also like the living of the values. Uh, and something that we have interrogated quite a lot is this idea of... Theatre as a product, and how do we exist within the system that it's and how we best practice prevent that? Uh, and so, I think each time we work together and we make work here, we just try and challenge another aspect that we are uncomfortable with. Kits for the illegalized tour an hours in whatever city we were in. Um, as an absolute kind of maximum, and um, there's always an element of act- activism that goes alongside all of the productions. And I also think that there's always an element of the audience being asked to participate in that artistic moment that is integral as kind of a structural thing, which in the UK can go one way or the other.
0: Um, well, yeah, I mean, on that point, Claire, I remember the scene in Illegalized where you know the audience become members of the plane. Um, I wonder if you guys can speak to that moment, whether or not you know, in the northeast of England, anyone was like, "Oh no, mate, don't, don't, don't involve me in this one." Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit over here and cross my legs, clasp my hands together, and just uh, want to be a spectator instead of um, a witness.
1: If if I, you... Oh God!
2: No, go
1: on, Clem. I was gonna say the opposite. Uh, like in Manchester, we had an audience member get on the stage who was like ready to defend. Uh, the actor Theo and prevent him from getting on the plane and like oh. carried the chant on themselves. Um and that yeah, I, I yeah, I actually think that in the North they still totally got it and were in the moment and so therefore felt that responsibility is my Fantastic.
2: I just wanted to give some context about that scene so that your listeners um kind of understand yes,
1: please
0: please do Cynthia.
2: Um it, so it illegalized basically follows um, follows the a life a day in the life of, of the home office and basically all the different um aspects that the home office is responsible for in regards to um, people seeking asylum and one of the scenes is a deportation scene um, and what um, the home office does is they uh, block off um, five the last five seats in an airplane Um, five rows, sorry, in an airplane, and then on the back of the airplane, they will have uh, the person who's being uh, deported um, um, and two um, officers or or, or sometimes more officers kind of forcing this person to be compliant using some really um, horrendous techniques, um, a lot of pain, pressure points, um, and, and yeah, um, so in, in in this scene, we actually, in in the in, in Illegalized, we enacted this scene and we turned the, the audience into the plane. Um, so the audience had the choice to um, allow it to happen. So allow this person to be deported. Well, the person was actually um, resisting. So the, um, what did we call them? Oh, the T4S people, what, what was the name for them?
3: um private the private
2: contractors so the so the contractors were pushing um the uh, the actor ahmed saki who is um excellent by the way um uh pushing him down um and uh, preventing him from breathing so if if audience member allowed that to happen, then Ahmed's character suffocates um and and dies um just as it has happened to so many people being deported, unfortunately, uh, at the hands of the Home Office and their private contractors, G4S and other companies like that circle, um, and um, if if they do choose to stand up with the character that Theo Green plays, uh, Theo Saint Clair, and you know Theo says they can arrest all of us. If just a couple of us stand up, they'll arrest us. But if we all stand up, then they cannot possibly arrest a whole plane. And to and um, I, I, I elaborated on this to answer one of your earlier questions about individuality, um, mm. to this culture of individuality. And I think, yes, absolutely. We, we, we cannot deny that we have lives as individuals and as communities and as societies and as families and groups. Um, but I think what we try to do is show that an individual decision times 60, 100 can become a collective solidarity. Um, and, at this, and this is what we tried to do with that scene as well. I mean, they all knew they were in the theater. And sometimes when you're in that situation, when you see injustice happening in front of you, it almost feels like you're in a play because mm. you are connected to it. And, and what we tried to do in a very simple way is allow audiences to rehearse for empathy and solidarity.
3: Well, that scene was called the rehearsal. It
2: was called the rehearsal, exactly. So sitting there in the theater, you have the opportunity to uh, perform solidarity in a safe space where you know you won't be arrested because it's theater; it's fiction. Mm-hmm. But you won't be beaten up by the person that you're defending this person uh, from. But you, you, you can experience what that feels like, so that when you take that into your life, you can actually do it for real.
0: I mean, to give a, a, a slight bit of, um, like, a small reflection is that my. Um, my partner is a social worker and she, when we were living in the UK, um, she was a caseworker down in Tooting, um, working with, um, newly arrived refugees, um, who were looking to, um, who were going through these processes. A very, She was the, the caseworker kind of coaching them before they got to the first scene and then legalized that the interview and, um, I hope she wouldn't mind me saying but you know often she would talk to me about what she did and I would come to it with a lot of um, curiosity um, but sometimes not necessarily know what that experience was and after watching Illegalized there was something about as you were saying the kind of communitarian aspect of what the audience go through that I came out of that situation not just um kind of moved and and engaged but also educated in a way that wasn't didactic and i just wonder how you guys managed to create such informative work that doesn't feel like a uh, academic exercise or um a piece of didactic theater
2: first of all thank you for that comment (laughs) and thank you for thinking that
0: (laughs) <laughs> no, I, I, I truly mean it because I, I, I think that you know I, we we all watch a a lot of theatre and and a lot of different theatre and I just always feel it hits me often at different times with your work and I just wonder what the how you guys get to that it's, it always burns in my mind.
2: I think it's worth talking about the process as well and. Um the last couple of years we have developed this this process where we I mean we, we've always done a lot of research um, like private documentation um but mm. the last couple of years we've started um, doing actual field work so because we started venturing into um, areas that weren't as well known to us I think it started when we did boys and girls where um, um it was about rape culture in Romania about teenagers you think you and even though I basically wrote it um, wrote that play, Channeling my own teenage years, but we felt the need to talk to teenagers today. Well, then, 2017, um, uh, in order to get a bit of you know of reality, and I think that's when it started. And then with each project, this this idea of of fieldwork and interviewing people who have direct experience became more prominent. So a meeting
3: of Claire as well,
2: and with help, Claire's help, of course, um, um, who made it possible. So very legalized. We we ran an R and D called My Name Is Other, and we we interviewed. Um, Oh, 40, 50 uh, people who were seeking asylum or people who had got refugee status, people who were in danger of being deported, um, and developed really um, important and profound friendships and relationships with so many of the people we interviewed, um, that, gives, that I think allowed us to not see their situation as an opportunity to educate you know, a didactic opportunity, a case study, but real people's stories and experiences. And and I think when when you stop seeing um, people as anecdotes and their lives as, as anecdotes, then may, then I think that's when it, it becomes more authentic and, like you said, more um, emotional and impactful. I guess that's my that's my take on it.
1: We also involve them at kind of every stage of the making process. So not only at this kind of research fieldwork stage, but also at a point of which kind of drafts are written or that there's kind of a reading on its feet. We give the opportunity to participants that we've interviewed to watch and engage with it. And with the legalized, Um, not only did we kind of encourage our academic and activist and kind of the equivalent kind of social workers so we worked closely with um, Lewisham refugee and migrant network to come and watch mm. it reflect on it and give us feedback but also we worked very closely especially with two individuals um, with lived experience who were settled in the UK and brought them into the rehearsal room so everyone meets them and becomes their friend and helps mm. them you know paint their kitchen and you know looks after their kids if they don't have childcare that day and they want to be in the rehearsal room and Um, they're a real kind of like part of the production with us. And there's no like us as creatives and them as participants. It's like, we are all learning from each other and all part of it, Um, which I also think speaks to that kind of authenticity. And um, yeah, because we, we find it hard when people, you've described our work really well, but quite a lot of people want to put it into a box and go well is it what? verbatim and you're like well what? no it's not it's kind of fictionalized is it prop? well kind of but not ri- is it kind of theater the oppressed well again no because you don't get well you know but it has elements of it all so you're
0: creating you're creating i mean i would be so bold as to say is that you're creating your own new framework which is influenced by these um practices you know that you're moving forward with it, with it within your own practice um just to d- jump back to talking about the participants that you had involved in the process, how much of a responsibility did you feel to tell their stories truthfully, but also without censoring what the story is?
3: I mean, I would say very shortly, briefly, that an overwhelming responsibility, and the first time we worked with a lot of for a legalized, for example, the research, the field work. It was a very overwhelming process for us, actually, um, and it's an it's an overwhelming responsibility. And I think we're still trying to gauge what that process is. So each show, we're doing uh, six months of field work, and like for for the last show now that Cynthia is writing, um, uh, "Wipe These Tears," we spoke to over a hundred people, so almost over double what we did for legalized. And though it's not about numbers, it was it's it's about all of. All, processing all of this information and all of these first-hand survivor accounts of these the most horrendous acts of violence of of imperial capitalism and it sounds really harsh but like in a, in a, in a piece of theatre that has certain objectives and roles to play and I guess this is where the slight division between an academic report activist report and a, and a piece of theatre you can't have everything in, in, in a play, unfortunately. And even if you manage to, it, again, we're coming back to a, a previous point, it might become-
2: Didactic.
3: Like, didactic, it might come, become, um, though didactic's not always an issue. I think that the, 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 the fundamentals of uh, di- didacticism, if that's the word, okay. didactics is, is, incre- is very important. But like, yeah, you can't put everything in, and if you did, it becomes overwhelming um for that artistic and emotional experience that you need to get the audience on so there is too much of like, i think a, a colleague of ours in romania used to call th- political theater that was rammed with information footnote theater <laughs> which i actually love. like where you need footnotes to understand what the fuck is actually happening what they're trying to
2: or they tell you so much that it feels like you're reading a really long yeah you no know, and you don't you don't really And I've, I've get it I've, emotionally
3: i've taken part
2: in, uh, mm-hmm. it.
3: It was just too much for me, uh, personally. But yeah, there is a massive responsibility. And I I guess uh, another thing is that political theater isn't just about what you put on the stage. It's also about how you make it, right? Mm. So the practice, uh, your approach, um, you'd be surprised, or maybe not surprised, at how many charities uh, that we, we approach and organizations that we approach to collaborate with. And they're very cynical because they're like, the amount of people that have just contacted us for our list of data and stuff, and then just fucked off and not done anything with it. So these people recount their stories, they think, they put their their eggs in your basket almost. You they see, they see home and they just fuck off they, because they again. relive
2: their trauma. You know they, exactly. they they share these things with with you with different artists, not just theater makers. Um, you know and they you know they get photographed or whatever and then nothing happens or their story is is taken away and and used um, without integrity. Um, so we had to have a lot of conversations with with organizations to to gain their trust and to assure them that we're going to have best practice that something will come of it, and and also, also I think um, Claire would probably think it's important for me to mention that um, we pay everybody we meet London <laughs> London uh, living wage per hour for their time regardless of where um, they live. Yeah, exactly, regardless of where they live, and um, that that to us is really important because we do not want to take their you know take their time for free usually they are people who have um, uh, economic difficulties because of their status or because they're waiting to hear about their status so it's important to give give stuff back um
0: i wonder if i wonder if i could just jump from 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 that point um cinziana which is that um did you give any of the participants the opportunity to come and see the show
2: while it was oh, touring, okay. so um, everybody we speak to can come in and see the show for free. Um, we 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 have um, uh, tickets aside, um, and um, uh, out of the people through legalized, out of the people we interviewed, um, two of them came to rehearsals and gave notes, and you know it, it was it was actually really really useful both for us and for the actors because they were like, no, this this character would never do that. This you know th- mm-hmm. this,
3: would
2: be okay. or. Um, Yes, this is this is actually very truthful.
3: Some of the best notes ever. Honestly.
2: Yeah, and and it was, yeah. it was a great collaborate and such a great collaboration. So I so and I, and I, and that is I think it's it's important to to allow you know, ownership and agency. Oh, exactly, the people we work with to have ownership and agency over the the piece that we created. Because yes, we created it. We you know we are the ones who put everything together. Um, but it isn't. Hours, <laughs> you know, it belongs to all of us—not um, just the people who were involved in it, but the people who receive it, the people who watch it, who who take part. It's a collective, exactly know. a collective, and and I, just art, artistically, I think, I'm not, I'm not, because maybe a lot of people listening will be artists who probably think how you know about, about how how difficult this might be. And I personally felt a bit paralyzed after um, the interviews for illegalized. Um, I felt a bit paralyzed. I didn't know how to write. There was so much human experience. There were so many people that we felt a responsibility to. And it was like, but I want to, you know, how about her story? Why don't we involve this? It was like, oh, yeah, but you know, and it was it felt heartless mm. to to prioritize certain stories over others. Mm. In fact, heartless when people said thank you the people people were thanking us thank you for telling our story thank you for listening because nobody listens nobody cares and when you have to cut someone's story or or merge it or change it it feels like a betrayal and that was something that we struggled with and it, it, it we found it so difficult to write illegalized um because of that um and, and also there was this of course, as an artist, as, a, as a, a theater maker, we love theatricality, we love provocation. Like you said, we love visceral, You know, we like to affect people viscerally. But we always thought for a legalized, okay, yes, this might move someone who has no idea about this process and it might make them feel ashamed and responsible. But are we further traumatizing the people that we spoke to? Are we, are we uh, graphically showing their trauma and, and re-traumatizing them? And there was a fine line where we had to figure out the best way to represent certain things so that, yes, we do impact those who might need to have their minds changed, but without gratuitously exploiting someone's pain.
3: Mm. Yeah, very, those boundaries there are something that we're always exploring because where, does one, where, where is the line where it becomes gratuitous and exploitative or almost like a dissection of something horrendous? Uh, and that's where I believe again Brett's practice comes in. our mm. uh, idea. So we're not interested necessarily at all almost of representing an act of uh, an act of political torture, for example, 110% on stage. Though what is in what we need to find out is what the political gesture, what the political motivation of that act of torture is. And so a great example I've always thought in our work um, was in Crime with um, the scene where a a mother um, in in post-communist Russia um, um, rents the body of her child, her young child, to a character called The Consumer uh, in exchange for a McDonald's meal. And there is a rape of a child that happens on stage now that can be very unsettling um, and also it could become very ridiculous as well on stage and then you in either way you lose um your 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 point you you lose what you want to communicate to the audience and so we work very hard with, with 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 Theo and Ankel about like how does one what is what is the gesture here what is it about you know, and so we, we spent a lot of time analysing that. So then, and, it, and I, I believe, and many other people have said, it never became gratuitous, but like politically profound because they see the rape, but it's not about a literal representation. It's about the politics behind it's it. It's a
2: deconstructed... Exactly. It's a deconstructed rape so that you, you have the impact, the visceral impact, because you, you're imagining what's happening, um, but you're also allowed to analyse it because, first of all, it's an all-male caste... And you know the little girl is played by Angel Lopez Silva. And yeah, I think I think that would have been very different if there was a, a, a woman playing Michelle. That you you wouldn't be able to have that reflection.
3: No, and it, that's that's irresponsible, and it's not it's not the same point. Yeah, uh, but it's about deconstructing the way in which we can analyze. Yeah,
0: um, uh, we talk about Angel, and obviously I know Han- Angel had worked with Goliere, and I remember talking to him about Goliere and, and Gollier's idea of leisure, the game, that theatre becomes a game. And as you said, I often, I, I have observed that often the brutal and traumatic scenes in your work um, are presented in these deconstructed, stylized ways. Um, and, and for me, it almost bypasses my rational brain and it gets straight to the kind of empathy muscle. and it, and, and that empathy muscle has to work because I'm not, I, I am kind of I, I am challenged, but I'm also kind of left at ease enough to not to, to to absorb to absorb what's in front of me. And um I wonder, um, Claire, when you're talking to venues, you know, about the shows, and um I don't know how many of these venues want to see scripts, but I wonder if anyone's like, Okay, so you're gonna show this. Uh, act of sexual violence on stage or you're going to s- show this suicide on stage of a child and you know w- w- I mean I, I, I wonder if you could speak to to that point how you how you get other people online with the with the vision and the practices of, of the company.
1: we're always very honest and um, so also part of our process is that there there won't be a script to send so at the point of which we're booking a tour there is a notion of an idea uh, and actually, uh, both times that we, well, we were supposed to be touring the UK right now with Wipe These Tears, uh, which was originally called Displaced. And so that's also a process is that actually we usually pitch an idea and a show name and then both things change. Uh, not hugely, but kind of in the detail of it. Um, the kind of message is still the same, but in that kind of delivery. We talk quite a lot about... Um, kind of audience safety and you know it's a phrase that gets banded around but kind of triggering and about how we work kind of with the theatre to both work with their front of house and what people read before they go into the theatre and uh, in how they discuss the show and the content of the show so that people are aware before they experience it that also we allow people to leave and they can come back we're very relaxed with that Like, if you need to and have a breather that's totally okay um but I think what we have found is that when we're honest about the work and what why we do the work and what we want the work to achieve actually the UK venues are more up for it than I think we ever thought they would be um There was a point where we thought the only way we could tour the UK was if we did, like, an adaptation of Brecht and then got in everyone's front door and then, like, gave them a political text. And actually, just by saying, we really want to make this piece of work, these are the people that it's for, Mm. they kind of allow it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean... just looking at the the places that you toured to, um, I'm 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 only going to cite two places that I know I have personal experience with, but Northern Stage and also the Camden People's Theatre. They often are, they are also two institutions, uh, theatres that have a, a great history of advocating for social justice. And I wonder how much um, I wonder how much thought and consideration um is put into the places you approach in terms of their you know their history and 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 the way that they engage with the themes that you talk about
1: yeah it's kind of a double edged sword because we don't want to go to the places where they kind of they already know what we might be presenting to them and it's kind of you know preaching to the choir and no change will occur because of it and actually we do approach places where it, we will provoke an audience. So we also went to Bedford uh, and performed in a working men's club in Leeds. Uh, the same show that was performed, you know, in central London in Camden and in Newcastle. And um, so we try and complement the two. Um, we do mostly stick to kind of metropolitan, so city areas. Um, mm-hmm. mostly they have the infrastructure of a, a theatre uh, that works. But actually. We're more interested in the city itself and does the narrative speak true to the location? So where do the arms factories, where are people working, where do, where are the barracks, where are um, kind of deportation or asylum centres in the UK? And we kind of look at it from those angles as well, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's something there. Uh, which is also,
3: having grown up outside of London um, and one of my local theatres being, you know, 90 miles away, um, I find it really important for all three of us in the company to decentralise what culture means and, and, and like, not be London-centric and actually that it also um, travels, I mean, yeah, probably being a bit biased on my behalf, but going to the north of England as well, travelling, um, making sure that work is brought there as well, because it is, it is, it is a shame that um, culture is very, very, very London-centric in the UK.
1: Yeah. And it's costly, and that's, that's why lots of British companies don't do it, it's because it costs you yeah. a whole load of money. But we decided quite early on that you've got to put your money where your mouth is, and it's why also like our participants aren't all from London like they're from across the UK and we travel to them um and so why not then take the show to a place where they could actually then see it it kind
0: of yeah and I wonder if the diversity of your casting plays into that as well I I wonder if you could speak to that point of you know the casting process on the legalized and you know there was a there was a I, I remember looking at the you know looking at the end looking at the actors on stage at the end of the play in that final scene and thinking, you know, that's what, that's what the UK looks like. Um, and I think that's so important for theatregoers to go and see, especially young theatregoers uh, who aren't even, haven't even decided they want to be actors or writers or directors yet.
2: I think, yes, we, it is really important for us um, that the actors that we work with represent um, the, the, the stories that are told in the show and the people that inspired that. Uh, those stories, um, and and also to um, paint an accurate description of the UK, which isn't all white and posh, um, thankfully. <laughs> um, and at the same time, I think I think that allows um, people to see that act of solidarity that we so desperately try to create by by showing all these different voices singing the same tune um, and and uh, working together and. I mean, for me, it's especially important as a migrant, as a Romanian, um, who doesn't have a British accent, who hasn't assimilated, who's not trying to have a British accent, um, to, to see people whose language, whose first language is not English, perform on stage, um, and not pretend that, they're not have to pretend that they're something that they're not, um, but also not play stereotypes um, that they're uncomfortable with. Mm. So bringing Juana over from Romania, uh, one um, and giving her that platform to play Romanian migrants from all different walks of life was was incredible. I've never seen that in in theatre in the UK. I've never seen that.
0: Thanks for tuning into part one of this conversation with Besna Theatre. We look forward to welcoming you back for part two. In the meantime, please check out Besner at www.besnertheatre.org where you can find out much more information about their upcoming projects as well as watching both Illegalized and Vinovata online. I would like to thank Cinziana, Claire and Nico again for their time and generosity and I'm very excited for you all to hear about their online theatre platform GLOD and how they want to bring free political theatre to as many people as possible. So until next week, take care and I will leave us all there.